Happy Halloween. It's Canuck Central Tuesday. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw here in the House of Horrors, Rogers Arena. In the mobile Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I guess we're all cowards. We didn't dress up for uh, for the game tonight here at Rogers Arena between the Canucks and Nashville Predators. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not a big Halloween guy. Sat dressed up as a TV analyst. Yes. Real uh, real creative <laughs> costume you got there, Satyar. Yeah, I'm going to pretend to be a good broadcaster, <laughs> like I do every day. I'm good, good at pretending. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, you know, man. that's uh, really words to live by for me. That's your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a yeah. There's no imposter syndrome on no. this show. <laughs> <laughs> Got me this far. <laughs> Something's working. Uh, uh, we'll continue to get into uh, the Vancouver Canucks. So Irfan Gafar is going to join us, and uh, Matt Rose uh, out of Calgary is going to join us as well uh, over at our friends at Sportsnet 960. Um, the Flames have got the uh, Canuckitis from uh, last October. <laughs> they have now acquired this. Uh, Early season uh, toxicity that uh, followed uh, Vancouver last year, and it's uh, now in Calgary. And the Canucks are very much happy to see that in the rearview mirror. They're uh, on a roll right now, four, two, and one. And uh, we've talked uh, maybe a lot of positivity. Okay, yes, a lot of positivity here uh, uh, around the Canucks, but four, two, and one is a stark. Five, two, and one. Uh, five, two, and one is a stark contrast from what they've been in the past mm-hmm. at the start of seasons. And, you know, I guess my my thought now is, okay, and, and Rick Tockett mentioned this in the morning skate a little bit, but which we'll get to, what's the next step, you mm-hmm. know? Okay, they, they seem to be laying a bit of a foundation here. How do they continue to improve as a team here, Sat? I think the obvious thing, which we've, I mean, which is funny to say because they've scored so many goals this season, but has generated a bit more five on five, right? And it's not that they're not capable of doing so. It's more about you're scoring at a very high rate, and some would say uh, unsustainable rate in terms of the amount of scoring you're doing with the few amount of scoring chances you actually have available to you. And eventually that catches up with you. But the positive way of looking at it is the Canucks aren't gener- generating anywhere near as much as as much offense as they're able to generate. And, and I think a by, it's a byproduct of how stingy they've been defensively and how well they've worked to keep limiting chances against, especially these past five games, right? They've been, they've been a lot better than at any point well, early in the season, the first three games. So I think that's the thing that has to really catch up for me because if you look at the best teams in the league, they're the ones that also generate a lot of offense yes. as well. And it's it's not about you know shortchanging them and saying well you know they they're not good enough or whatever it's more about the things you can improve and yeah i mean there's there's a degree of you probably need some better players to be able to create as much as you truly want in comparison to teams like vegas but even with the talent that you currently have with as good as they've been defensively if you're able to generate a bit more sustained offensive pressure in terms of scoring chances well, we're not just talking about a team that can make the playoffs. We're talking about a team that's all of a sudden very interesting. Yeah, uh, a team that uh, can be a playoff contender. And uh, I don't know what metrics Money Puck is looking at to have the Canucks as a 9% uh, favorite to win the Stanley Cup, the highest in the league. But Hey, man, listen, enjoy it while it's there. It, it, it's not often that the Canucks have ranked high in uh, Money Puck projections. So take it. While you can. And some of that is based a lot in the, the last five games, right? Where the Canucks have been 
the most stout defensive team in the league. The way that they have limited shots against, the way that they've limited chances against the, the game against the Rangers, uh, you know, they didn't give up really much of anything mm-hmm. at five on five, right? It's all power play. And then, of course, uh, the unfortunate overtime goal that, that wins the game for New York. And you could say the same about St. Louis until the third period when it became a bit of a laugher and teams got a little bit loose. Uh, same for the last visit against the Nashville Predators. I mean, that's the way this team has played lately. And, you know, for all those that seem to wonder when, when the bubble is going to burst, yeah, like the Canucks aren't going to be this great all season long. They're, they're going to have some ups and downs. Of course, nobody is denying that. But just because – so, like, people look for obvious signs of aggression, right? And so they have the best five-on-five five save percentage in the league mm-hmm. at 92.5 or something like that. Yeah, it's it's going to regress. They have the best shooting percentage in the league at five-on-five. Five. Yeah, it's it's probably going to regress. But just because those things are going to regress – that like they can regress and it doesn't have to equal losses for this team. No, because if you actually improve the areas you can improve on, you can offset a lot of that. Yeah. In terms of the power play, for instance, the last few games has kind of gone cold. It hasn't been at the level that you know it can be. So yes, the shooting percentage is going to regress, but they'll probably start getting and drawing more penalties and perhaps be a bit more disciplined. And I know, hey, we all know what happened at the end of the Rangers game. Forget about that call, though. Yeah. Canucks, I mean, Heronik shot the puck out when he had time. Like they've taken some, un- like Dakota Joshua with the penalty he took on, on Jacob Truba. They took some undisciplined penalties as yeah. well, and that's something they have to clean up. And they can clean up, and I would expect they would clean up. So if you do those things, you improve your power play a bit, you start generating a bit more sustained uh, offensive pressure and scoring chances. Well, yeah, the shooting percentage comes down, but the volume in which you're increasing offense in other ways and opportunities in other ways can offset that. So I think I think it's very reductive to look at this team and just say, well, the shooting percentage is going to come down. This team's going to crash back down to earth. We've had those discussions about these teams in the past. Like I've been on the other side where I've argued against good starts and said, hey, listen, this isn't going to work. I remember one year with uh, Willie Desjardins, the year I think they, it fell apart in the second half, but I think they were like uh, – they had a 500 record or just above by Christmas, but they won a lot of one-goal games, a yeah. lot of overtime games. They got really lucky. They had they were on a shooting percentage high. People thought, hey, they might be a playoff. They might fight for a playoff spot. You're like, there's no way this is going to sustain. Like, they're yeah. not generating anything. The team's not that talented. There's no way this team's going to do that. This team has Pedersen. It has Hughes. It has JT Miller playing at a high level. Philip Hronik's been fantastic. They have a great goaltender in Thatcher Demko. You look at some of the other pieces on the team. I think there's good reason to believe that they can be a serious team. And I'm not saying a Stanley Cup contender. That's not what I'm saying. But in terms of being more than a bubble team, I think there are possibilities to get there. I I made this reference a little bit yesterday. And I know we've talked about it in the past. And there's a ton of parallels between Rick Tockett and Travis Green. I know, I know. But just to point it out again, because I was looking more at the numbers last night. And... It's kind of interesting how, like, the, the, the 25 games that marked the end of Travis Green's tenure in, in Vancouver, if you look at their five-on-five five numbers, they were bang even, pretty much. Like, I think they had 39 goals for, 39 against at five-on-five. Five. Yeah. You know, they, uh, they were underperforming their shot metrics. Um, they played fairly well defensively. They weren't as 
you know, uh, stout as this team has displayed over these last few games, but they were pretty strong defensively, uh, above average across the league with some of their underlying metrics. But what killed them, Pedersen was playing the worst hockey of his career, and the penalty kill was cratering any chance of having any sort of success. They lost every game. Mm -hmm. They lost the special teams battle by a country mile every single night, and it led to a lot of losses for that team. So I would say that's kind of the cautionary tale is – you know, if you start losing the special teams battle often and your five-on-five goals do dry up, you know, that's probably the situation where, like, yeah, okay, we're playing okay five-on-five, but how can we keep ending up on the losing end of a lot of these games? Yeah, and, and honestly, like, and I think that that's a big part of it, right? And and I also think, in general, when we look at the team, it's easy to look at numbers. And I think, in general, too, the fact we keep throwing these numbers out, especially early in the season – it goes away from actually analyzing to what you're what you're alluding to the things you're actually doing better on the yes yeah. the things you're actually doing that look to be repeatable and sustainable when you're contesting play through the neutral zone consistently as a team you're breaking things up and the coach referred to it as getting in front of a guy it's it's essentially contesting somebody yeah. you know don't let them just go you know chip uh, a body chip exactly just get in front of or at the very least just stand in front of them yeah. you know what i mean like make it difficult make him have to go around you or through you you know like don't just give an easy pathway to it contest everything and i think we're seeing that in terms of how they're playing and i think that type of energy and that type of focus i think is repeatable because it's not like you're running guys through walls it's yeah. more about you're just focused you got to be engaged and focused and then you add the fact that they have the ability to have a strong power play. So if you're able to limit chances against, you have a great goaltender. Yeah. Honestly, like I, I don't care if, if some of the numbers lag behind because if you can play that way, you have some game breakers, you're going to be a tough team to beat. You really are going to be a tough tough team to beat. And some teams generate a lot of that type of pressure but don't have the finishers to get there. And I do think when Teddy Bluger comes back, I think it's going to give the team another layer and a boost, much like we saw what Mikheyev did to put Garland down to the third line, all of a sudden Suter and Garland. It's not there on the bottom line, but in terms of the metrics people keep talking about and zone time, they're spending a lot of time in the offensive zone. They're not allowing a lot to go against them. So what that does is calm the game down a bit more, right? Now you add a, te- add a Teddy Bluger in, all of a sudden Lafferty can be more useful playing wing. Yep. And now you can have two bottom six lines that can at least push the pace and be tough to play against. So I do think if we, if we add those layers in, there are a lot of avenues this team can be competitive in. And I think it's easy to just, you know, jump and take a side on this or whatever, but I do think we don't quite know what this team is capable of because we haven't seen them play clean hockey before. Dan. Yeah. I think we I think the conversation that that isn't being had enough is is this team finally giving the stars a chance to show what they can do when they have a calm environment around them? Cuz right now, yes, it's paying dividends, but I do think that's a big part of this. Don't give up too much. Let your stars win you some hockey games. Yeah, and even uh, some of those green teams would still give up a ton of odd man rushes coming back the other way. And uh, those can be killer. Uh, but so far we've seen this team eliminate a lot of those, and some of that is through strong back checks. Um, but also uh, their rotations have been a lot better as a team. You know, they're always covering up for each other. The puck support has been great, and teammate support has been great, so that there's no gaps. Uh, if a defenseman's pinching, you see the forward rotate into that spot. They've just been a lot cleaner in those like small situations. Absolutely, and, and I know if you look at the numbers, the, the first three games, I listened to you guys a bit yesterday, you and Randeep, and I liked that you were pointing out the last five games and the trend. And, and again, it's it's having fun with small samples. Yes. But at the same time, like I do think it's 
it's it shows a trend early in the season if we're looking at how are they improving and the things we've been talking about in terms of them being better defensively is now being borne out looking yes. through it and it's like okay you see that stuff there right and if you look at it in years past you weren't seeing the team play this way defensively they were far more permissive and even if you go back to that 2019-2020 year yes they were you know, better defensively, but they were giving up a lot. Like that, that philosophy for that team was very much let's outscore our problems. They defended pretty well in their own zone, but they knew they were going, they were, gonna, they were going to give up transition chances. They knew yeah. going the other way, they weren't going to be able to you know, shut teams down. So it was about let's go generate as much offense as as we can. So you had JT Miller playing with Patterson, you had JT Patterson and Besser, and they were just crushing it, right? Then you had Bo Horvat with its next level, and then they had a bottom six which wasn't very good, but they defended okay and PK'd okay, but they weren't a really strong overall five-on-five team and limiting scoring chances. What we're seeing right now is a team that's actually very good and stingy defensively. And I think that's that's the identity we're starting to see form with this team. There's more to it. The identity is still incomplete. But I do think in terms of how stingy they've been and how good they've been in defending, I think that's that's a real positive. Uh, and I think the, the coach hinted towards that being part of the identity that they are building early on this season. Here is Rick Tockett from the Morning Skate on uh, where the Canucks can continue to improve. I think for the first for our first period tonight is how you build it is the you, you stay with the identity of the team. You know, we're we're trying to be stingy. Um, you know, we're we're limited shots the last three four games which I like. Um, now can we get more on the other end? You know, is there more there? More offensive opportunities. Um, and I think there is, you know, and it's just not one or two or three or four guys. Um, it's, it's five connected. And, um, there's some parts of our game that I really like offensively and we're getting chances and sometimes we're a little stagnant, but saying that if you're stagnant a little bit, at least you're not giving up stuff, which is uh, which is a key for us. So there is uh, Rick Tockett uh, on the identity of being stingy. That's what this team wants to continue building on. And, you know, he mentioned the offense. They want to generate more offense. He feels they can get a bit stagnant at mm. times. Um, he, he hasn't hidden from the fact that he knows this team needs to find ways to generate more offense. He's been saying it for the last seven, ten days, you know, after the team really started to shore themselves up defensively. So it, it's no secret where this team really can get better, Sat. And the question we're going to find out over these next however many games can these guys do it, or do they have to supplement this roster in some way? And I think that's going to be a big part of it, right? And, you know, th- that whole part, one thing he mentioned was holding on to pucks a bit more. And that's not just talking about, hey, when you're skating with it and you hold on. It's more about along the boards. If you get to it, like hold on to it, wait for a teammate to come try to make a play off of it. Don't just get rid of it quickly. You want to create some zone time in the offensive zone. Can you pin a puck against the wall? Can you start working a cycle a little bit and do those things and, and not just try to get rid of it right away? I think that's part of what he talks about. But you're right. Do you have enough guys that can do that, or do you still look to add? And I know uh, Dollywall today mentioned how the team is working aggressively uh, to add to the team, and, and it's similar to something that uh, you know I heard over the weekend. That you know, and it's, you know what, honestly, like what I heard was actually what they've been doing all along. We mentioned this before the season that if they could have their way, they'd love to add another scorer to this team up front. They'd love to add a, another top four defenseman. The reality is, it's hard to do those things, but it's certainly something that they're looking to do. The question is. How far are you willing to go to address those types of needs? And are you willing to part with something valuable to do so? And ultimately, 
it all comes down to what they can get back in return. But I do think this team, ever since this offseason, Dan, and we even heard it with the Connor Garland stuff, they're very aggressive as a front office to look to improve the team. They have no illusions that this is a final product. And I think they believe they're, they're missing a couple big pieces, a righty defenseman, another high-end forward potentially. And as much as you're trying to do that, is that something you can do in season or is it something you have to wait for in the offseason? I think that's the biggest question. But I think they're absolutely open to doing something meaningful. The, the idea of improving this team, I think it's more how do we bump some players down from where their current spots are in the lineup rather than like, hey, we need to fill another spot. We need to add to the fourth line. Like they've done that in free agency. They've done that through small trades like the, the Sam Lafferty deal and, and other ways that they've gone about doing this. But now – how do we improve the team? Well, we go and get another top four defenseman, a guy that can maybe, well, for sure push Mark Friedman down the lineup or, you know, even push Philip Ronick from not having to play with Quinn Hughes. Maybe you can push Ilya Mikheyev down off the top line or Phil DiGiuseppe down from the second line and improve talent-wise there. That That's how this team gets better from a personnel standpoint, Sad. Yeah, and it's asking less of guys. And yeah. I think that's... I mean, look at Tyler Myers, for instance. All of a sudden, he's playing the best hockey he's played in, yeah. in very, a very long time as a Canuck, right? Is, it, is that a coincidence with the fact that he's playing a reduced role? Not at all. Right? And I think, that's, I think that's a perfect example. It's like some guys could be capable of giving you something as long as you're not asking too much of them. And I think that's, that's a part of it, too. Now, when I look at the team, again, it's, the question is, do you have a few guys who don't fit? Again, Garland's the one guy, Bavillier's the other guy. But there's still guys that give you net positive performances, generally speaking. Yeah. It's just, are they the type of players that really fit what you're trying to do? And when can you actually move those guys? And I think the reality is it's going to take some time. Uh, you got a sneak preview of the anthem there. It's uh, going to be a lovely anthem tonight. Wow. Uh, we got some great singers here at Rogers Arena. Uh, but uh, it's... <laughs> um, uh, the dress it's a rehearsal. Let me just put it that way. The, yeah. the dress rehearsal part of uh, of of our Rogers Arena shows are always interesting, um, but it's hard to. It doesn't like I don't feel this team is maxed out, right? It's still so early in the season, but um, it's hard to see that the the ceiling is all that high until they add more to this roster. What means ceiling in terms of being a cup contender? Yeah, yes. or even a bona fide playoff team. Yeah, and I think you know what that part—a bona fide. What, what's a bona fide playoff team? Let's talk through what that is. Like ninety-five to a hundred points, I guess. Yeah, I think they can be that. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they're there yet, but I think what they have currently, they can be a team like that. Mm-hmm. But can you be a team more than that, right? And I think that's where, you know, that's why I don't think the improvements they're you're looking at should be a third liner. Yeah, you know, or like a third pair of defensemen. Like that's not the improvement that this team needs. Those things don't like. It, maybe they make you slightly more of a, a yeah. playoff team, but what you need to do is put yourself into that. Can we be a hundred and four to hundred and ten point team? And I think if you start adding, you know, top six forward, another righty defenseman, that's how you get there. But even like a good defenseman in general, does it have to be a righty? I mean, you know, Ethan Bear might come back here at any point. Yeah, but are you? Are you so comfortable on the left side behind Quinn Hughes? Well, you've got Cole for one more year. Yeah. You've got Susie for three. You, you've patched a hole, but you're still looking for right. another guy. Right. 
Because ultimately, Susi isn't playing, you know, a 20-minute type top four role for this team. Right? He, he's helping on the penalty kill, and he's he's playing about 18 minutes a night. Now, it might seem expensive for a player that's doing that, but that's that's where he's best suited, right? So I think like this team still has some some definite areas that it can improve. It's the cap gymnastics you have to do to make sure that those things can happen. And that's where this team is still trying to figure some of that stuff out. Uh, this text coming in, uh, could they bring in a guy like Hurdle? San Jose is rebuilding. Uh, you're not taking on that Hurdle contract. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't know about Hurdle necessarily, but is there a good young player on a team that is looking to move him that has some term? Yeah. You know, I'm not against that in general. I'm just not sure about a guy making $8 million. Yeah, and the the obvious point is this team knows and this management group knows that there's still room for them to ultimately get better, and that's what they want to see happen. Now, one of the interesting parts here, Sat, Ian Cole and Mark Friedman have been really good together. <laughs> And Fun with small samples. It's coincided with the Canucks having this great stretch where they bumped Myers off the second pair mid middle of that Florida game, and ever since, the Canucks have just tilted the ice in the offensive end, and that pair um, I played around 40 minutes together. They're three goals, four, zero against, five on five. The metrics all back it up. They look great, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say that they, uh, they're doing anything outstanding on the ice – you know, it's almost like you don't really notice them too much when they're out there together because not a lot's happening, uh, at least in the Canucks' own end, when Cole and Friedman have been on the ice. And, I, you know, it's been the magic elixir for these last three games, but, of course, it feels like there's an expiry date on how long this is going to, to last at this level. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. Like, I, I do think it's one of those things that we're – I don't know if sure we can expect them to play at this level for – you know, the rest of the season because Friedman has never done it before. Yeah. Now, one thing I will say about Friedman and watching him closely and rewatching games, I don't think there's anything he does really poorly. Right. Like, I don't think there's anything, like, I don't think he, there's anything he's actually really good at either. He's kind and of that's a jack why, of all trades. Yeah, but like, just oh, like, okay at everything, but not yeah. bad at anything, but not good or great at anything, which yeah. I actually think for a righty defenseman, it's not a bad quality to have. So I think he's just a very simple player and he's playing with another guy who's very smart and actually does move the puck better than I think he oftentimes get credit for. Like, oftentimes, I'll, I'll see Cole make plays sometimes and think it was, like, Hronik or something. Yeah. I'm like, wait, who was that? Was that Cole? Like, that happens quite a bit. So, it's, and I'm not saying he's a top 4D, but I think he's probably better at doing some things than I think, in general, he, he gets credit for. So, he's taken more of that role on when he's playing with them. But he's just such a smart player. And who doesn't ask Friedman to do something he can't do? Yeah. And I think, in general, they're just... A pair that keeps it simple. Well, I think what what has helped Cole in that scenario is uh, it's more simplistic, and I think the the less chaotic <laughs> situation that he's in because it's Mark Friedman rather than Tyler Myers. I think that's helped Cole because you know again pointing back to that Barkov goal in in Florida. You know Cole even mixes up his assignment yeah. because he, as the coach said, got caught surfing, and I think just. Uh, having a more predictable partner for Ian Cole has actually helped Ian Cole show a better version of himself these last few games. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, Ian Cole, um, like, I, I think he's he's a lot safer, but at the same time, I do think because they stay so structured and in terms of their positioning is usually solid, it's pretty simple pass that Friedman oftentimes has to make if it's yeah. not to 
Ian Cole. If it's not making a DDD pass, it's usually just up to the wall or to the center in the middle, who's very available nowadays. Like You don't oftentimes see now on the Canucks breakout a forward on the wall or the center not be available. And I think when you have that and you have a defenseman who's just good at keeping it simple, I think overall it helps them out. Now, I don't know if you can ask those guys to play heavy minutes and have success, but I do think it's been very encouraging. It's uh, Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Lots to get into We've got Irfan Gaffar coming up next. Uh, his take on uh, Canucks' Halloween candy and also uh, what we think the Canucks might be up to as far as improving this roster. Plus, uh, a couple of Seahawks fans get to dunk on a Browns fan. That's hey. going to happen next on Canucks Central. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.